Hi, my name is Alad Gross. Welcome to the Alad Pod, an online, uncensored town hall program designed to bring our government back to you. Every episode is a recording of our live show with special guests and questions asked by audience members like you. Today we have comedian Josh Gondelman, who is a writer and producer for Jesus and Marrow. He's also the host of the podcast Make My Day, and he recently published a book called Nice Try, a compilation of his best essays. Josh, are you there? Can you hear me? I am. Hello. Great. We've got you on. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy you are here. Uh, where are you at right now? I'm at home in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. So yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit farther from O'Fallon than I am right now. Correct. Uh, I think. Folks Unless O'Fallon is like Westchester County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah. It's a little. It's a little bit. But um, well, you. Uh, I, I'm really excited that you could come on. Um, you, uh, you've known my wife for quite some time, and she a long time. Is, yeah, terrified of being on the live stream. But since she's not here, and I can ask whatever, any question I want, um, how'd you, how did you meet my wife? How do you know her? We have a mutual friend. Oh, do you? Yeah, and so, um, and when we were all living in the Boston area, I, I, a friend of mine introduced us. Yeah. You were not yeah. there at the, uh, the, the infamous... Um, uh, Boston fight with the guy with the bow and arrow. I was not. Okay. I've never fought a guy with a bow and arrow. Okay. That's good. That's good. I, I'll, I'll bring her down and we'll do an after show and I'll bring her down to tell the story because only she Mm -hmm. can tell that story. So, um, well, that's great. So you are, you are a, a, what do you call yourself? I mean, I I would say you're a comedian, you're an author. Uh, what do you call yourself? Yeah. I say writer and comedian. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's good. I mean, you just you just I guess you just published a book right at the end of 2019, right? Correct. Yeah, I did the so, book of personal essays called "Nice Try: Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results." Why did you write this book? I wanted to. I feel like I had some stories to tell, uh-huh. and I, I wanted to work on a project I'd been writing for last week tonight with John Oliver for uh, several years. And I thought, you know, in addition to doing this, it would be really nice to have a project that was my own again, the, a big thing that I could work on. And so I uh, I wrote this book, and it came out last fall, and I was I was really excited. I'm really proud of it. Yeah, that's that's really so. You know, I I. Um... So I, I do a little bit of writing, not not like that. Uh, now all, almost all of it is political and position papers for the most part. If it's not a legal brief or something, which is not not the most fun thing to write in the world. But you know, I, I used to have uh, you know different teachers with different tips about writing and how to get into it. Uh, now that you you have this book, you have put all of your you know your thoughts down. I'm sure you've got plenty more. Uh, what and has you're done. It's empty. I'm this tapped. is it. Get the it's book, over. folks, because there's no more coming. That's the end of it. Uh, what What has been a tip that you've received that has been positive or maybe negative for you? And what is one that now, having done this, you would give to somebody who's thinking about writing? 
Writing, writing anything? Yeah, sure, writing anything, right? I mean, with something, you know, that's, that's I guess, longer form because, you know, folks can sit down, they can type for a little bit, but then after that, there's a certain threshold you have to get past in order to get to book level. So what would be your so, advice? Some, something that I've heard a bunch is, like, write things you'd want to read, mm-hmm. and I like that. That's, like, pretty simple I, and, and helpful because I think there's, like, a lot of what should I write or blah, blah, blah. But I think if you feel it's when you write a book, it's not just the getting the words of the book out onto the page, right? Like then it's editing the whole thing with input from an editor. And then ideally there's, you know, if it, if it sells and is going out into the world, then there's that kind of period waiting for it to be out and the marketing. And so there's so much that's part of a book that takes longer than just the time it takes to like sit down and churn out whatever 60,000, 70,000 words. And so it should be something you're really excited to sit with. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my advice because Mm -hmm. otherwise you'll get like a year into this two year plus process and go, Oh, well I hate this already. (laughs) I'm not doing it. You know, I think that's a really good, um, it's a really good, really good piece of advice for communication, I think in general, because I have found that, you know, I, so I do a lot of the communication, all of it. I basically do all of the communications for the campaign right now. And I've been talking a lot Mm -hmm. politically before, but there, I think it's, it's, it's interesting and folks are really, they seem to respond pretty well because it's, it's very much like what I would like to talk about, what I would like to hear, what I would like to see somebody do I think it gives you, because you know that, right? That's your passion. That's your interest. And when you put that out, folks can see that pretty readily. Um, do you, I mean, I guess yeah. you see the same thing as, as like, you know, you've done stand up before. I'm sure you see the same thing when you're performing that way too. Yeah. I mean, I do a, a lot of stand up, and I think I always have more, I always have a better time of it, both in terms of audience response and my own satisfaction when I'm thinking about like, I really want to talk about this tonight as opposed to like, Oh, I guess people want to hear about this because that's like, I think it, I I think this is something I picked up from, from something maybe comedian and, uh, you know, actor and writer Mike Birbiglia said, but like, um, that it's like you do the thing you're going to do, right? You, you write it the way you want to write it. And then you hear if the audience responds and then it's a negotiation of Mm -hmm. if they are not into it the way you want them to be into it, then how do you bring them in or how do you come to them? And I, I think that's the best starting place is like, here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I want to communicate and how I'd like to say it. And if you, um, if you're not understanding me, then I'll, I'll, I'll try a different tack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I, I. So we're gonna talk a, a bit today um, about what, and maybe it'd be funny if this is something you don't want to talk about. Too bad, uh, but it's it's a comedy and 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 the role it really has in moments like where we are right now in change. And I think it's it's really interesting given your background um, working on John Oliver's show, for example, with mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of a lot of folks watch and, uh, you know, there's, there's really good, it's, it's so interesting how much journalism, I, I, you know, you look back at the daily show where a lot of these guys came from, but, uh, looking at how we got such strong journalism from the world of satire and comedy. Um, you know, I mean, just thinking about the topic, uh, what, 
I mean, do you agree? Do you think that it, it does have a pretty important role to play? Do you think that role is, is oversized, undersized? Like, where, where are we right now in your view, having worked on a lot of these, uh, these types of projects? I mean, I think, like, the role of journalism, or, yeah, the role of journalism belongs to uh, journalism. And, but I do think, like any art, right, comedy can reflect a, a vision of the world as you'd like to see it or can discuss the kinds of things that are um, problems with the world in ways maybe people hadn't considered before. But I don't think I, I, I think it's much closer and is an art rather than like a um, public in, in information vector necessarily. I, and, and that's I mean that with uh, with admiration. Like, I think it's closer to reading a, a novel that changes the way you think, or like a, a song with themes that make you, that illuminate some facet of life that you haven't considered before more than it is, um, an act of, of journalism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of reflective of where we are, where, um, you know, I, I Folks, it's just there's so many different things out there, right? There's there's the internet, there's YouTube, there's Twitter, there's I mean, heck, we're streaming on like four, five different things right now, mm -hmm. and there's all you know, and then people are also tired because there's there's work and and there's lots of work and there's stress out there, and heck, now I mean, now especially, what the heck is going on out there in the world? And it seems like you know sometimes I don't know. Sometimes it seems like you need that. Uh, that I guess that art, the way that you describe it, but that art to engage folks in how you're communicating, you know, and I think I think that's that's why there is a big draw right now to the more entertaining versions of the media and the news, and I think that's true about cable news too right now in terms of viewership and everything else. But it, it's it's almost become like more entertainment driven, um, which you know I, I think is is sad in a lot of ways, but. Um, yeah, it seems like that's kind of where we are right now. So, um, how did you get into comedy? Why are you Why are you doing comedy? Well, at this point, I've exhausted all my other options and burned all my other bridges. It's <laughs> over for me. If this doesn't stick, I'm done. Yeah, I've got to. Um, I don't know. I guess I've got to learn a new trade, sell body parts for science. Um, which I don't, they're not supposed to buy them. I don't think they're, not, they're alive. No, they're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah. That's, they're not supposed to do that. But, um, it's, I started, well, so I started stand up between freshman and sophomore year in college, but I was already writing. I was at Brandeis. I was going to be a fiction major. I was doing improv and I'd always wanted to do comedy. And then between my freshman and sophomore year, uh, a guy that I knew from home, started doing stand-up and all our mutual friends bullied me into also doing it. They're like, if Joe can do it, why can't you do it? You should do it because he's doing it. And so it was like that. And then I started and within about a year, he had kind of like, he was, he's so funny. He's one of the funniest dudes that, that I know, but he, he just decided the like lifestyle of out every night kind of networking. Um, it wasn't for him. He just wanted to get to, show up and be funny. And there's just like so much other, um, so many other elements to that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically your friends dared you into doing comedy. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Good 
good, good dare. So wait, now that you're like doing, I mean, okay. So of the friends that dared you into doing this, um, huh? what are they, are they do are any of them doing comedy right now? No, none of them ever were. Okay. So now does that mean that you like in the future now, do, do you hold something that you can then like, Oh, you all now need to do this. Is there like a dare that you can now reciprocate to them? I don't think so. It sounds I like mean, you've I earned like, it. I mean, I feel like this worked out well enough that I don't <laughs> need to like claim retribution. That's that's where I am. Well, I maybe, think like it's maybe it's less retribution. I mean, look, like it worked out really well for you. You know, sure. so I'm maybe it's okay. really you opening a door for them. Yes, I feel like if that were if that were in play. I would want to do that for my friends, but I don't think I'm, I'm not like sitting on a dare. Like we're going to be at a zoo outside a tiger cage. And I'm like, you know how you told me I had to do comedy. You have to put your head in that tiger's mouth. I mean, you know, uh, there's still the circus out there. So there is, I think they're mostly non animal circuses. They are. They are. Yeah. They're taking the animals out of it. There's been, yeah, there's been a lot of changes to the circus in America. So, I haven't been in so long. If you were to ask me to describe what goes on at a circus, it would be mostly conjecture. I'd start with very small car full of numerous people, and then it's a real roll of the dice. There is, you know, I was about to say, yeah, me neither, but that would be a lie. Uh, There is a group called Circus Harmony uh, in, in Missouri, actually in the St. Louis area, and, uh, oh man, they've been doing, so they do a lot of work with kids and they teach kids, you know, a lot of gymnastics and all this performing and that's they go cool. around super cool. And they, they've actually gone to like different conf like spaces where there are conflicts and had kids from those, you know, w- factions or whatever, come together and actually do these things together and see what everybody's doing and, and learn from it. It's a really Really cool program. It's a nonprofit. If you all are watching and don't know Circus Harmony, go check them out. They do a great job. And that's um, yeah. that's so cool. I expected it truly when you said Circus Harmony. I was like clowns that do acapella. That's one hundred percent what it is. That was my guess. I would have staked my life on it. Yeah, that you know. Uh, not sure they have the trademark, but they should. And I'm a lawyer, so I can help you out with that. But uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if I've seen any great performing. The performances are great. I just don't know if I've seen much acapella at their performance. That's all right. I mean, I'll let them know next time I see them. So, um, okay. So you're, you're, so you're in comedy. You're doing comedy. How how does that go? You know, I know I know a lot of folks. Um, you know, they start there. Um, they talk about how tough it is, and you know, finding gigs and all this other stuff, and like ones that actually pay that you make a living. So, what was your path? How did you get to where you are now? It was, yeah, it was not, it was a long time before it was my full-time job. I did stand up in and around Boston, but, you know, around when I was in college and between, uh, between years of, of school. And then I stayed and taught pre-K for four years and then did stand up in the evenings because they don't, they don't really do night school for preschool. So I was free and clear. Um, and then after about seven years in doing it in the Boston area, I moved to New York City and I had won this comedy competition in Atlanta that let me do go out on the road a little bit more, make a little more money. But when I moved to New York, I stopped teaching full time and just kept my part time tutoring gig. And then I did that for a number of years while I was like waiting to get my first uh, writing gig. 
And I got, you know, I was doing little freelance writing pieces here and there. I was going on the road doing stand-up. I was tutoring. And then finally I got hired to do the social media and digital writing for Last Week Tonight for its first season. And and I took that job. And that was finally I left my my tutoring position. That was after you know, two, two and a half years in New York, I guess Mm -hmm. it feel that part feels longer. Like if you were to be like, how long were you in New York? Just with nothing going, (laughs) I would have been like five years, but it was, it was not (laughs) that it just, they take on outsized importance. Um, but yeah, it was, I moved to New York in 2011 and then in early 2014, I got that gig. So yeah, like just over two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you said you were, you were doing pre-K. Yes. Okay. Cause I knew you were, you had been teaching before. Um, yeah. So I, so, you know, I've, I've got a nonprofit I've, I've run for 13 years teaching kids. And my first class I taught was kindergartners going into first grade because we focus so much on summer. So it was always mm-hmm. like transitioning from one to the other. Pre-K is very important because if they come to kindergarten without pre-K, that often means they don't know all of their colors and the shapes and the letters of the alphabet are a struggle too. Pre-K is super important. So thank you for doing that. I hope, I hope they learned something with you. I hope so too. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> hopes that. Any of your pre-K game. kids followed up with you? Have they been like, Oh, Hey, I was in your pre-K class. And now you're famous. None of them are quite old enough yet. And I don't know yeah. that they'd remember, but I do, I am in touch with some of the parents like through Facebook, which That's is really cool. cute. Yeah, because it's it's been a while since I've I've been teaching, but like, I guess the oldest kids are like, are like, um, a, maybe high school juniors now. Yeah, which is pretty wild. Yeah, right. Yeah, actually, you know what? A couple of them did follow up. The, a few months ago, one of them found me on Instagram. <laughs> That's where they all are. They're all on Instagram yeah. and TikTok. It was very, it was very precious. Yeah. I had to be like, so nice to hear from you. Thank you. And then kind of quietly just be like, but we can't be friends. You're 16. (laughs) So, but I was like, very sweet that you reached out. Very nice. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Give him a few more years so that he can, he can talk. Yeah. Instagram is, uh, it's an, it's an interesting place. So you're, you're on Instagram, huh? Oh yeah. What's your handle? Get it, get it out there. At Josh Gondelman. Oh, that's pretty simple. G-O-N-D-E-L-M-A-N. It is kind of hard because there's there's not a lot of Gondelmans out there, so it's not the um, the most common name. Like you could say it, and it doesn't mean anything to people. Right. Most people, right? I mean, but what's nice about that is that if somebody Google's your name and misspells it, as they probably often do, they they yep. they're probably going to get to you. They will. Yeah. G- I, the most common misspelling is G-O-N-D-L-E right. M-A-N, which is that that's nobody. No. So it just comes right to me. That's, and then on, I have this, I've been recording a podcast and we have a, um, a transcription service for that helps with the edit. So, or not a, an app, a transcription app. And then, so it, you read the transcript as you listen to the, the thing that you're editing and you can make notes in it. And that, um, lists me as Josh Gwendolyn. Yeah. They have, they have tough, tough times with my name too. First. Name. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. First name's tough. Autocorrect. Man. It just turns it into it's like, oh, you must have you must have meant lead. Yeah. L-E-A-D, right? Yeah, it's like duh. I mean you just made a spelling mistake. No, it's a lot of do you have a lot of like my son is also named Bort moments <laughs> in your life? <laughs> it's a little you know, there it was so so what's bad 
it's good and it's bad. So my 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 first name backwards is Dale. Right. And and people like when they hear it, like, oh. And so then some people start calling me Dale. But now I start oh. well before the virus, there's a guy I was playing rugby with and his name is Dale. So it gets really confusing for me because Dale Very like confusing. get the ball to Dale and I'm guy. like, I'm not I'm not ready for this. But he That's a different guy. Yeah, different guy. So that's that's been tougher, actually. There was uh, a friend of mine was at uh, was at the groceries groceries or Target or something I don't know something and uh, heard a mom yelling uh, a lot. Don't cause I don't know. Don't know. We can't afford that or, or we can't take that something. And then he he was like, "What is he doing?" So he goes into the to the to the different aisle and he sees a little kid trying to grab like some Pez dispenser or something. So there's another one of me now in the area. This is unprecedented. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you feel like, oh, maybe this will get people a little more acclimated, or are you like, there can be only one? I am I, a big fan of the Highlander, and it, it pains me to say for this poor kid, but no, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Although I will say on the campaign, uh, it's been really helpful because I remember I was sitting at a, at a, at a restaurant, like a little kind of coffee shop thing in Warrensburg, Missouri, which is not quite all the way to Kansas City from here, but it's on the way, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar. Uh, Central Missouri, everything else is there. And I'm sitting there, and I give you – know, I, I was there for like an hour and a half until my computer died, and I had to go to another meeting. And I give over my credit card, and the lady looks at it and sees my name and says, hey, aren't you you running for something? And I was like, how did, did – did you see my name somewhere? She's like, well, I mean, there aren't too many e-lads out there. <laughs> No, there aren't. So a lot of people think it's a company. It's like this thing. Some people think that this thing looks like it's a company logo. It's really, oh, oh yeah. what, what does that do? Construction firm. Mm. Mm-hmm. There was a, when I first started on Facebook, there was, I had like a little, uh, I found like an image on Google. It was a Turkish company and it was E-L-A-D as an acronym. And I don't know what it was, but it was it was just oh, their logo funny. was a smiley face that you got from like, I don't know, smart art or something and PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. And it had a little like fez on top. Huh. Yeah. So I really should I follow up with them. Was. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. See if they want to sponsor or something. A whole new, a whole new path. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. No foreign donations and campaigns, everybody, in case you're watching and you're trying to take tips. Don't do it. Uh, yeah. I should really, should really consider. Okay. So right now you are uh, – you're writing. I mean, you're writing from where you live, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. how how is that? I mean, do you? Well, let me ask. I mean, is that normal for you? Are you normally? Uh, uh, do you normally write from home, or do you normally look for a different location to go to to get your well, focus going? So I'm currently um, I'm currently working on Jesus and Marrow for Showtime, right. and we're off this month. But for the the previous couple months, for uh, April May we were writing from home fully, which is not usual. Normally we have an office and we shoot our shows in a studio and, um, you know, we have regular, pretty regular office hours, even though it's a comedy writing job. And this has been really different. And it's like a major credit to everyone who works on the show, how seamless the transition was. And I think how good the shows have been like everyone across the board at the show from, the post-production department that like makes it so there's something to put on the air all the way to the hosts 
um, and like everybody in between the writers, the graphics department, it's been a really incredible group that's done such a great job making the show as, as good as it can possibly be, I think from home, but it is a lot different. Yeah. What, what, what are you like, is the writer's room now like a zoom chat room or something? Yeah. And there's like, it's a little less, it's a little more like solo parallel work in Google docs, uh, um, a little less like meeting and riffing with everybody. And then, yeah, a more, more zoom meetings. I'm sorry. There's like helicopters all over the place. If that is bleeding into the audio at all. No, can't even hear it. Great. Can't even hear it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, so everything is zoom and Google docs and all that. Yeah. It is, is it better? I don't think it's better. It's always like, I don't know. I think there are good, the, I like not commuting. Uh-huh. I think it's possible to work from home. Like, I think the, it is nice to have the flexibility, but ideally I think we would be in a room together a little more. And definitely the, the hosts of the show. I mean, they're literally in two different U.S. states. One lives mm. just over the river in Jersey. I guess I don't just over the river, but uh, in Jersey. And the other one lives in New York City. And so they um, their chemistry is amazing over like zoom calls, but there's just like the physicality of the show, I think is, is more fun and dynamic when they're next to each other in these in chairs on the set. Yeah, I, I, I agree. They're, they're a fun bunch. How did you, how did you get on, on that? Like how, how did that become, uh, how did, how did you start working for it? The, um, I got asked to interview while I was still working at last week tonight mm-hmm. and it was the season was kind of winding down and I thought, you know, I really like my job and I'm really glad to be there, but I don't know. Uh, I guess I had to think of like, is this the the place that I want to be forever? Do I want to do this specific job forever? And I was like, I really love it, but I've been here for five years and I'm willing to entertain the idea of like the next dream job if that comes along. And so when I when I went in for this because I think Jesus and Mero are so funny and I was very flattered to be asked and it was I was going in for a little promotion. So I thought, you know, all the things that I would want in a new gig, this gig would have. And so that that made the decision to interview pretty easy. And then when I when I got the job, I I waited pretty heavily because I'd had such a great experience at last week tonight. But then this was also, this has been wonderful. Yeah. It's, it truly, I say it all the time, but it's like going from a dream job to another dream job. That's great. I mean, it's great when that happens. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, they seem they seem like a pretty fun bunch. If you haven't watched uh, Jesus and Mero, um, pretty good. They're on Showtime, right? That's right. Showtime. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot on YouTube though. If there you is. haven't seen it, and don't have Showtime, but check it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The Hot Ones interview that they did. Really, yeah, they were great. I'm a big fan of Hot Ones. Uh, Spoiler alert, we might have a, a homemade one that we put out pretty soon. So uh, let's see. Um, we've got some questions coming in and some good comments. All right, Jason's watching. Hey, Jason, how are you doing, bud? Laura, uh, I'm going to put her on screen because this is really sweet. Laura says, my favorite gun sense candidate and my favorite comedian all in one place. I guess that makes me the comedian. You're a gun sense candidate? I didn't even know. I'm, I'm all senses. Oh, all senses. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> gun sense, sixth sense. Any of the senses. I'm very tactile. That's, that's you know, having very gun sense and the sixth sense, that's a little, that's probably too morbid for me. I don't think I can, right. I can go with that one. <laughs> that's good. Uh, oh, here we go. All right. You know, it was about time. 
Any ideas why comedy is not funny anymore? Oh, an interesting question. Mm. Uh, and I think a little bit of a trick. But <laughs> what I will say is I think there's lots of different comedy that that appeals to all different sensibilities. Mm. And if you're not liking what you're seeing, I'm fairly sure that there's something out there for you. It's just about there's so much that it's hard to find what would suit your sensibility sometimes because you're, it's kind of, um, you know, we're saturated with entertainment options. Uh, so I think, I think I would argue that comedy is funnier maybe than ever, but it is harder if you're, if you're not finding what you want, it's harder to like navigate the things that are not necessarily your cup of tea. Who do you, who do you like in the game right now? Oh my gosh. There's so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, this is like a question that I always uh, dread yeah. because there's you know, so and many. I, we just talked about Highlander rules too. You know, right, there so. could be only one. Um, I, I mean, I think like uh, John Mulaney, mm-hmm. Nate Bargatze, Gary Gullman are some of my favorites. I think uh, Aparna Nancherla and Joe Firestone and Maeve Higgins here on the show Butterboy in Brooklyn every Monday night are all like – incredible um julio torres hbo special that came out last year called my favorite shapes is like incredibly funny and incredibly original um gosh who else roy wood jr Uh um maria bamford there's so i mean there are so many amazing working comedians right now and uh and and that's like a fairly broad spectrum of just like comedic style i think like you're gonna get a very different vibe from all those different those different comedians mm-hmm. and, and so they might not all be for everyone but i think like everyone should find one person whether it's like nate who's really like squeaky clean or um aparna who talks like really hilariously about or mary bamford either and he talked very hilariously about like anxiety and um, mental health. And like, there's just so, there's such a broad spectrum of people working and the styles they're working in. And I think it's really, uh, special and, 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 and like an exciting time. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, uh, some folks too, I think it's very, it's very easy to get sucked into everything that's happening. Right. Especially news cycle wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems, it, I don't know. It seems like uh, just given, and maybe it's you know, it's it's the we talked about communication obviously earlier at the beginning of all of this, but maybe you know that's part of it where um, it's it's a, it's almost designed to suck you in to it, and oftentimes you know without it almost seems like like for some folks stopping and watching a stand up or stopping and watching even like a cartoon or something I don't know something funny almost seems like for people a luxury that they shouldn't be taking, uh, which is interesting. You know, it's kind of like, like almost like the folks who are, Hey, I can only read nonfiction because we have so many things we have to work on, uh, without taking that break to read fiction. And it, it seems like, you know, the more that we push in that direction, there's a lot of pressure to even do that. But the more it seems like we push in that direction, the, the, the creativity for what we actually do in, in the real world that does have an impact seems to, to kind of be missing in a lot of ways. Huh. 
That's interesting. I think there are moments where it feels more urgent that more of our time is used for like serious and vital pursuits. And I think maybe we are, we are in such a moment. Um, and I, I appreciate that. I, I, I think that's really important. I think like to fully disengage, right. That to me is a problem to go like, I can't read the news, uh, any of it. I can't engage with the reality of what's happening in, in, in a way that is helpful and productive. That to me is that that's like maybe a, a tough way to be because there are so many people who are, who really need uh, everyone to show up, you know, mm-hmm. like who need the most possible people to show up and, and advocate and, and, and be allies. But I also think that like, there are, there's only so much most people can withstand yeah. per day. And it's okay to um, take care of your own mind and body for a little while a day if you need to, right? Like if you have to work and then you are reading the news so you're, you catch up and you um, march at a demonstration or a protest or you are looking for a place to responsibly donate money, I think that's all really, really important. But I think it's also okay to take 30 minutes and, you know, watch a Seinfeld rerun or whatever it is that, that you need to do to make your, your life, your, your, to like soothe your own brain a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the breaks are important. Um, you gotta, you gotta have them. Maybe not all of them. (laughs) No, I don't think you need all the breaks, but I think it's nice to, to remind yourself that like your body and your brain are, physical and you know your your health is important and to give as much as you can and and then also be mindful of like well I can't destroy myself this is a long game there's like a I I have to be engaged and present and um practical and useful in the world forever it's not just like a week of going super hard and then going like, well, we fixed it. Um, so I think like finding ways to sustainably, uh, engage with the world and making it better is, is important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, let me ask you this, uh, you know, and there's actually a question here. We did talk about it before. It's from Matt. So thanks, Matt. Uh, did you stand up or just write? And you, you you do both. Um, what, what's the, I mean, what's the difference for you? Like, what's the, I guess, the process getting ready for, for either one? Um, obviously, writing is probably a more solitary thing. Maybe not. I mean, maybe you got, you got talked about having rooms with folks, too. But what's, I guess, what's the, is there a difference in mindset for you going between writing and doing stand-up? Yeah. The difference to me is that being stand-up means, like, do, or excuse me, doing stand-up means I can do whatever I want. That's the <laughs> biggest difference. It's that I'm not accountable to anyone else other than like doing the best I can. Right. Um, and the people who booked me and it's, there's no sense of like, Oh, this has to fit someone else's voice or this has to fit this particular format. It can, it can only be X, Y, or Z. It, it requires all these approvals and we have to make sure the budget is there would stand up. Whatever I think is the best thing to do, I can do. And that's very fun and freeing. The other side of that is that there's, it's so gratifying to be working on a show and work on something that's bigger than myself to work on like 
oh, I'm going to pitch stuff and write stuff and produce stuff for uh, these hosts with or, or a host with other, you know, a different comedic voice. And so I have to be malleable and be um, and, and be adaptive and and be mindful of those things. And I think like both are really, and, and, but the results are so much bigger, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when I'm doing stand-up, I'm performing for whatever it is, uh, as few as 25 people, as many as several hundred. But like when I'm writing something for TV, it's, you know, it's something that'll be seen by hundreds of thousands of people. Right. And, and which is, uh, it's a different kind of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder if, you know, you, you, I'm assuming you follow the news a bit. Yeah. The what now? The news. You follow the news a bit. Like you're not one of those folks who are just like, "Ah, I'm not dealing with that. No, I'm, I'm, uh, pretty in it with the news. If, if you, it doesn't matter what party, what people, whatever, but you know, having, having done comedy, having kind of, you know, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're communicating with folks. That's a big thing. What, um, what recommendations would you have for politicians who are out there now talking to uh, members of the community uh, or whoever the heck else they're communicating with? What just like maybe it's basic stuff, but what tips would you have for somebody who is communicating important information to that wider audience? I would say say what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really helpful. And don't, I don't know. I'm not like a political messaging expert. I would, I like, I kind of, I mean, part of me just wants to be like, uh, have smart, good policy and like, don't, don't equivocate. I think like this is such a, maybe a starry eyed thing to say, but it's like, we're in a really, um, tense political moment. And by that, I don't mean that where there are two sides that are equal that are competing for something like that's that to me is like wishy-washy language. I think there we're in a moment where like people are really protesting this violence by law enforcement against black people. And it is important to like speak clearly and, and listen to people and hear, hear what, what people want from you. And, and then not to like try to, um, try to like equivocate, I think like take a moral stand. It's if ever there was a time, that time is now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting uh, because despite you saying that you're not a a political messenger, I'll call you a political messenger, not a political messenger. Sure. Um, It really is right now. I mean, uh, that, that very, that's why I I wanted to ask the question to see, but even talking, we had, uh, um, Chris Arnotti, who went around the, the country and he visited with folks. He actually came to Missouri, but he tried, he focused on communities that are often neglected and the folks aren't coming mm-hmm. to visit. And he would talk to folks, a lot of whom do not vote, um, and just see like where they are and how they got to where they are and why they still live mm-hmm. they do or don't or whatever it might be. Um, so it was an interesting conversation. We've had other folks who've come on and talk about different policies or whatever it might be, but what has continued to come up is that what folks really want from people who you know are seeking these leadership positions or whatever else it is is to just be real? Yeah, and I, I think, think there's a real, uh, and it's also be real is one thing, uh, but then I think the other part of that is like 
be real good. Like, don't stink. There's like, if you stink, be fake. Just right. put on a personality. Do what people bully you into doing. Absolutely. If you have good ideas, yeah. be real about them. That, that but I think well. that's I. I feel that very sincerely. When people say "be yourself," it's like, who are you talking to? Not everybody. That's not. That's not everyone's thing. Yeah. There are some people. Sure. Like ideally we can all be ourselves and that would be enough for the world. But some people need to be absolutely um, badgered into being someone better. And I think that that is the job for the rest of us. That's that's great. That's, that's what society is here for. Uh, Yeah. That's what society is here for. Right. Yeah. We've developed this thing over time. Um, Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, Okay. You mentioned that you've got a podcast. I do. What is your podcast? Give the pitch. It's called Make My Podcast is called Make My Day. It is a one-on-one comedy game show where the contestant always wins because they're competing against no one. And so every week the contestant wins a grand prize of a one hundred dollar donation to the charity or aid cause of their choice. Wow. Is this on already? It's on already. Our eighth episode. People watching now, our eighth episode is released tomorrow with um, Shay Serrano, who writes for The Ringer uh, and is a best-selling author. He's wonderful. And um, and if you are listening or watching this later, uh, then eight episodes are already out, (laughs) at least. Where can where can they find the podcast? Anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether you're a Stitcher person or an Apple podcast or Google Play, wherever you go, my podcast is there. Make my day, Josh Gondelman. And it's it's short. It's like 22 to 28 minutes every episode. Yeah. We're not, there's no marathon here. We want in, we're out, we're having a good time. That's great. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. We, uh, we sometimes marathon. It kind of depends how deep we get. There was one initially like we did, you know, so when we start and this turns into a podcast after, uh, mm-hmm. but initially when we start, you know, we think, oh, okay, we're going to do like, you know, a 20 minute thing, uh, uh, maybe a 30 minute if it's long, maybe we'll have to do, but then we, we, we had like these really great conversations and they kind of, I mean, we've capped it, right? So like an hour we're done. Now I have had one, well, actually we had two guests on at the time. We we're talking about voting rights in um, Missouri and we're changing our voting laws quite a bit right now with everything wow. that's going on. Yeah. And so that conversation went and I was like, I'm not stopping this trade where we've got a lot sure. to talk about. So that's um, important. I'm bringing very little to the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, good. So, so I, I guess for, for you, I mean, is, is there a lot of when you're done with the podcast and recording, like, is there a lot of editing that you do after or, or how, how I guess I what's the process after for you? Yeah, I I listen back. I make notes. Um, I sometimes have to do pickups because it's there. There's a little recording after if I mess something up or if I I want to massage it in a way that like didn't come out quite in the recording. So uh, it it takes another couple hours. The rec- our recordings are like forty forty five minutes for a yield of like twenty seven ish, let's say, um, and. And yeah, and, and it takes a bunch of editing because I, I want to be um, kind of ruthless. I don't want to be self-indulgent mm-hmm. because there's nobody there's nobody that likes my stupid jokes more than me. <laughs> and I have to like look myself in the eyes and be like, no, stop it. Oh, that's great. Wait, so so for for the editing, I guess you're you're super involved in the editing process then. 
Yeah, I have my editor, my engineer, our engineer Houston is really great, and and um, he has he has someone else uh, named Cat who works on the the like technical side of the edit. But like, I make the uh, round of notes that like a paper cut for it they, they call it, and, and then we go from there. Huh. Interesting. Well, I yeah. guess with 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 that because we did have one more question come through. Please. Um, and I'm going to put this up there because it's interesting just kind of talking about the process of all of this. Um, what's the process for creating comedy, a joke, a moment? How does it start? What's the origin? That's a great question. It, it comes from all different angles. I mean, for TV and for stand-up and for all sorts of things, it's, um, it's very different. Like from TV, it starts with like, well, there's a show tomorrow. So make enough comedy that it's a show, uh, which is like really a thing, right? Like before, when I started stand up, I would say comedy comes from when like a funny thing happens and I write it down. And then as I started doing it more, I was like, no, comedy comes from like when I have an idea I want to express and I flesh it out until it's a joke and then it's funny. And then once you're working in comedy, it's like, well, comedy happens because you're on deadline. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think that, that all of that still factors in, like something funny happens or you have an idea that you think is funny to, to articulate. But um, yeah, but that it's, that to me is like the starting point, having an idea that you're like, oh, this is interesting. Like this kind of bumps me in a, in a funny way. Like we just did, we did a sketch on the show that I wrote, which is very fun called Intern Fights. And the premise was, this is from a real idea that our staff was bigger than my bosses had ever worked with before. And the host of the show said, just kind of in passing, like, what do we do with all these interns? And I so that was the kernel of this idea. And I was like, the funniest thing to do as a bit, not for real, is to make a DVD compilation of them fighting and then sell it on an infomercial. And so we made that not as for real, everybody, not, not for real. We would never make our interns fight. We no. love our interns and cherish them. So the, um, so that is, so that's kind of like the A to B to C of like, here's the idea that I think is interesting and want to explore. Here's the funny take on it. And then I got it approved. I pitched it to the hosts and they were like, that's funny. Let's do it. And then I wrote a draft and we had to like, and so now for TV, it's not just like, I have this funny idea. I say it into a microphone, people laugh or they don't for TV. It's like, okay, now we have to book a stunt choreographer and five stunt actors and a camera crew. And it's an edit that takes a long time. And so we, I'm sitting with an editor and like he, who is amazing. Casey Brooks did an incredible job and a produced two, two producers over time, Justin Tyler and Zach Golden. And it was, um, and so all these different people that it takes to to make this idea be, go from like, oh, that's funny, or that'd be funny, to, oh, this is a, a comedy sketch for right. television. Right, right. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, it's just kind of funny how, I mean, a lot of ideas just get sparked by, you know, folks hanging out, which is why, you know, I, I think it's really interesting to see, like, how people um, are adapting to, you know, this more socially, physically distanced world and what that means. But I mean, the technology is there for, for so much of this interaction to continue, which is for sure. Yeah. Um, well we are coming to the end, but we have, uh, a game that we play here too. And, uh, it switches up kind of depends on, you know, the week and what we're doing, but we, we have one. Um, do you ever watch, uh, uh, David Letterman, 
when sure. he, he had uh, this skit called Will It Float? Yes. I loved Will It Float. I don't know why. It was one of my favorite things, and uh, I would just, I just, I was so excited whenever it would come on. Like, there were days where I'm like, I'm pretty sure it comes on every Thursday, and when it wouldn't happen on, I would just be so disappointed. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I can't disappoint myself right now, so we're going to do Will It Float. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. I'm going to put a big thing of water. Right here. We've done this one time before, and folks are able to guess as they're watching what they think is going to happen. You'll be able to guess too, of course, since you are the honored guest. I have here a bowl of water and a car key. A car key. Move it a little bit closer in case anybody wants to see. There's a hole right there for, you know, where you can attach it to to a keychain if you want. Car key. And the question is... Will this thing float or will it sink? You can go ahead and put it in the I comments if you have a guess. You think sink? I you think, think it's going down, huh? Think it's going down? Somebody says, don't ruin the down. Okay, you need to calm down. <laughs> I just love this because this person is, you need to calm down a lot. Don't ruin the desk. That's pretty great. I'm not going to ruin the desk. I'm taking very good care. Okay, you don't think it's going to float. You don't think it's going to float. Obviously, it's not going to float. You know, there was a moment, and I don't know where the pen went, but that kitten keeps stealing my darn pen. I don't know. I I threw the pen in, and uh, it actually half floated and half sank. So we think that this is going to sink. Duh. All right. Let's find out. Straight to the bottom, it sank. Well done. Well done. You have won. You actually are the first one to win on Will It Float. Congratulations. Thank you. It feels terrific. Good. Very very honored. Very honored. So thank you so much for coming. Uh, pitch everything. Pitch the book. Pitch the podcast. Sure. Pitch the show. Pitch it all. I'm going to give you the camera right now. Well, thank you. I'm Josh Gondelman. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, G-O-N-D-E-L-M-A-N. That's my last name. The podcast is Make My Day. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Jesus and Marrow on Showtime. I have comedy albums if you're interested in hearing some stand-up that I've done in the past. And uh, there's, oh, the book, Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results. You can get that delivered to you. You can pick it up at a bookstore. You can uh, do audiobook or ebook if that's your speed so you don't have to go anywhere. Uh, it's, it's, all, it's all out there for you. That's great. Good. Uh, you almost forgot the book. The book is, for those of you who are watching uh, on our social media pages, the book is in the, uh, the link. It goes to your website. You've got Josh Gondelman. You've got that website.com. Yeah, which is great. Congratulations. You did it. Thank you. Uh, some people don't. So if you're a kid out there watching right now, make sure to go reserve your Nobody name. else does. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> there are no other ones anyway. We already figured that one out. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on. For I really me. appreciate you doing this. All the way from Brooklyn uh, through the internet. It's pretty fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Alad Pod. You can participate in future town halls and see all of our past ones at aladgross.live. You can reach me there too, and I'd love to hear your ideas. For now, this is Alad Gross, and I'll see you on the next Alad Podcast.